Hello and welcome back to another episode of Revenue Champions with me, your host, Ryan Reiser. Today is a very special episode for me. It's a bucket list episode. Uh, we have one of the biggest influences on my sales development career, uh, the godfather of sales development himself, Aaron Ross, is joining us today. You're not going to want to miss this episode. So welcome back to another episode of Revenue Champions. Uh, we've got, I like to refer to him as the godfather of sales development with us today, uh, Aaron Ross. I need to get welcome. a picture of a horse's head to hang, you know. <laughs> that would be amazing, right? Yeah. Just have that right there in the background. Unfortunately, Ryan, a lot of people listening aren't going to get that reference. So everyone needs to go out and watch the movie, The Godfather. It's, I know my, my older kids haven't seen it and I get, and so like, it's just, it's a shame. So that is a shame. It's probably one of the best movies of all times. There's actually an open debate. I just saw on social this week about different debates, Jordan versus LeBron, Godfather one versus Godfather two was, I didn't realize everything's a poll now, right? On LinkedIn. Oh, should I, should I put polls up? <laughs> like my polls, poll, 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 poll. So, you know, you got to get reach, right? So uh, for those that are listening that maybe don't know you, maybe like they don't know Godfather, the Godfather, uh, who's Aaron Ross, who you be in this world uh, before we kick things off? Yeah, well, there are a lot of people who most of the people have not heard about me, even in the sales world, but I uh, am most well known for writing a book called Predictable Revenue. Um, it's a little more than 10 years, I've been out for about 10 years. And that was about how I started at salesforce.com in the early days when they were under around 150 people, under 20 million, and created the whole uh, outbound, prospecting outbound sales motion and team and structure at Salesforce. They helped them almost double their enterprise growth early days. That was a book, Predictable Revenue. And then there's a sequel or a separate book I wrote with a guy named Jason Lemkin. Um, if you're in SaaS, you should know about Saster. If not, you got to go sign up for their updates and so on. Uh, we wrote a book called From Impossible to Inevitable. A lot of syllables, but really like how hypergrowth companies, like what are those few things that help, you know, get hypergrowth going for, for companies, B2B companies. And uh, I am now living in the United Kingdom. We moved to Scotland a couple years ago. Have 10 kids. Um, I like coffee. I don't know what else other fun facts like to go for walks. <laughs> That's where I am these days. Did spend a lot of time in the outbound world. Uh, last thing is that I spent years and years consulting, implementing outbound. Um, you know, I was an SDR, right? At Salesforce. Um, and actually, one fun fact. So another fun fact before that, before I went to Salesforce and became an SDR, one of the first ones, um, before that term existed, I had been a CEO of a venture-backed internet company that failed. And the reason I went to Salesforce and the reason I got a sales job and the only sales job they had uh, wasn't even outbound. They didn't have outbound back then. It was just like respond inbound leads. The reason I took that job is because I was like, if I'm going to start another company, I need to know how sales works. So I'm going to do that from the ground up. I'm going to get basically my MBA in selling by doing sales at salesforce.com. And that, my friends, was uh, not letting my ego get in the way of doing a job to learn what I need to learn. So I think I, I think was, that context is extremely valuable for those who maybe may or may not have stumbled across predictable revenue or from impossible to inevitable, but 
understanding what you're able to create with the context that you came from, which is so, so transformational. I like to refer to you as the Godfather myself because, you know, your book came out roughly around the same time when I was really starting to figure some of this stuff out. My career, I was in the area. I came out of San Francisco Bay Area. You know, Salesforce has literally got the tower going through the clouds these days. Yep. But back then, uh, I was down on um, Market. Uh, Market. Uh, yep, uh, right there. And I worked right across the street from the building. It was kind of those things where if you're in SaaS, you kind of aspire to maybe get there one day uh, and be a part of this massive organization. And um, sales development still wasn't even a term when I first started, but you really coined that. And as I started to work my way up through leadership, um, that was a book that was given, you know, hey, let's go install this process yep. and, and uh, uh, you know, fast forward to where we're at today. And you would be, you, it would be difficult to find someone within the Bay Area anyway, uh, a fast growing SaaS company that hasn't at least in the leadership position come across the methodologies and the systems that you've created from the ground up. And they're still being used today, although the landscape yep. has changed a bit. Um, it has shaped yeah. the way I think about everything and this idea of predictable, repeatable uh, systems that can help organizations actually grow um, and using some data behind it. So um, today I want to talk a little bit about how you think about that world, right? You came from, you were an entrepreneur, you were venture backed, you failed. Um, <laughs> and then you thought, hey, I want to ground it, build it from the ground up. Um, sales development, what is your def definition of sales development. I think a lot of people think about it a little bit different than maybe. Well, I think my, my definition of sales development is whatever you need to do to develop sales. But I'm bumps. Okay. So, well, the, uh, you know, the, so one of the, I think that everyone focus, if you've read the book, predictable revenue, a big chunk of it is about outbound prospecting a third of the book, but I don't, don't think that was, I mean, there's a, a at least as much of a transformational idea that doesn't get as much attention in the same way. And that was just the idea of specializing sales, yep. which had happened before that. But, you know, I really helped take that idea and I still do. Like people need to do this. Um, and if you're, if you are younger, listen to this and you may not know that the way sales was done and it's still done. Actually, a lot of companies still do it is that uh, you have a salesperson and they have to do all their own prospecting. They have to do, if they get leads from marketing, they have to respond to their own leads, qualify them, do their own sales appointments, and often manage their own customers. Um, that has changed a lot in the last, you know, 10, 20 years. And a lot of that's to do with my, my book. I'm not, but not the only thing. And that idea is that was transformational, right? And you'll see a lot of um, more experienced sales executives, like pff, salespeople shouldn't be getting appointments from they shouldn't get the help. They need to do it themselves, you know, you know, do it all themselves. And that's how they earn it. And so on. Sometimes actually that is still true, but that was a thing that really helps change the game for companies. And I get the, the metaphor I use is think about a sports team. I don't know any, a lot of, as it used to be, and there's still a lot of companies that run sports teams. Like, okay, we're going to play soccer. All right. We have 11 players. Okay. Everyone go out and everyone attack and everyone defend. Okay. Everyone go do it. It's crazy. That is how sales has been run. The fact that you say, oh, it, it seems so simple, but I think this is the, in the past, the inertia of tradition. It seems like, okay, you've got attackers, defenders, midfield, goalie. Yeah, of course. No, that wasn't, that, that's a new thing, actually, in sales. 
And so sales development, I think, again, is you just, it's just the idea of like you're specializing people and there can be a variety of roles. You're just trying to help people do what they should be best at, the highest value job. So if you have closers, account executives, what the things, the appropriate functions to do to kind of set things up for them so that they can close more. A lot of times that respond to inbound leads. Um, again, you can have like market reach, like researchers, prospectors. Um, now some salespeople should do some prospecting on their own. Great. But it's like all the support, you know, it's like in basketball, you've got all the, uh, the assists, right? It's all that assisting going so that the account executives can, can score. It's interesting when you say it like that, right? It seems so basic, you know, we specialize so that we can, as a unit, be more successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there's actually a, um, you, you can see the, the evolution of this happen where, you know, just like the, the life cycle of products, et cetera, right? There was the early adopters and then the early majority. And do, do, we're actually starting to see this, like this drop off now of like the late majority and maybe even like a new cycle of, well, maybe specialization doesn't work. So as more and more people have adopted it, there's so many, there's so many people who want to just blather on on LinkedIn about bullshit. (laughs) So no, like, yeah. Okay. Look, there's always some exceptions, right? There's lots of places where you should have full cycle salespeople. But when I see people or they're like the death of the SDR, they're just, you're just being dramatic to get attention. Like you, there's, you have to have humans. AI is not going to replace humans. It'll change the roles and the jobs. Right, there will be evolution, but there's more of a need for SDRs than ever before. There will be will be more of a need for the foreseeable future, and I think it's just people like to gossip, honestly. Well, we talked about it a little bit earlier, right, when we started, right? Polls, clickbait, uh, this idea yeah. of of um, breaking against the norm, novelty, and novelty becomes the old normal, whatever it yep. might be. Um, yeah. And so, so I think that you know. When, it's, when we think about sales development now, it's probably not going to go away. It's going to change. And early on, you'd mentioned that, you know, inbound, outbound didn't really exist. Now there's kind of this blend. If you think about the, you know, access to data and the access to technology and, and you know, uh, inbound used to be a way where you're capturing data that somebody came in. You wouldn't have really been able to get anywhere else, but now you can kind of just buy it and go outbound. And so like, how do you see all this working together? Um, the specialization. Yeah be in the context yeah. here because you know before you'd have to do a lot more work to get just the that core piece of data which is like if i had a phone number which i never could have gotten before i don't know if yeah. you remember, remember these days where um you know getting direct dials outside of like a main corporate number were like it was almost impossible right you had to you had to call in and yeah yeah it's right like the it's called kind of an arms race right the more you know you develop advanced you know weapons uh, the other person does defense. And so you kind of end up almost like running in place in a way. It's like uh, I said that London, the average speed of people driving through downtown London a hundred years ago was five miles an hour. And with a hundred years of progress, the average speed of driving through downtown London today is five miles an hour. <laughs> so, you know, like I, back in my day at Salesforce, when we didn't have fancy databases like Cognizant, which go on here for the podcasts and I've joined the board um, or the other ones was, you know, there, there was Dun & Bradstreet in one source and I would get names and companies and I would have to guess at all their email addresses. And it was very manual Excel sheet, Excel based 
process and had to load it all on myself and did and but you know not everyone had that data so it wasn't competitive noisy and so now um and then another kind of metaphor i find myself going back to a lot is with gender sports one right in the past there was um inbound and outbound right there's some kind of content like marketing driven leads they're very clear they went to the website and there was kind of like prospected leads you know it'd be cold calls and it was cold call well direct mail and knocking on doors and then called cold calls and then email um but now and there used to be just male female but now you've got a spectrum there's so many ways to blend and there's not just inbound outbound midbound all bound there's so many ways you can combine different techniques and find sources of whether it's data or prospects and so the complexity now is the new challenge which is wow there's so many ways that we can try to like there's this we can see our target market um, but there's so many channels and ways that we can try to engage them whether it's through different versions of inbound outbound left around omnibound <laughs> and so the a lot of them especially if you're in creating a new team new process or a new prospect or a pre-sales person you're like okay i could do 50 things like where do i start yeah. and if i'm doing something new how long do i spend on it before i know if it's working or not because if i do something for a week that's not nearly enough time you should to know if it's, it might take me it's going to take me six weeks to try a new technique is it going to be three months two weeks i don't know so there's all that uncertainty often anxiety doubt and tons of opportunity which can also flip to be um, overwhelm, which is kind of how to sort through. Like, again, if I'm a young person, you know, I grew up in a time where there was like two genders. Um, but if I'm a young person now, yeah, I could, um, maybe there's, and I'm not sure, and there's hundreds of possible like labels or, you know, how, how do I want to define myself? Like what feels right as a label and to be like, where you start, it could be a great opportunity but also can be overwhelming, confusing until you kind of find a rhythm and settle into something you feel like fits. Same thing in lead gen today. And that's only going to continue because there's only going to be more opportunity, more complexity, more options, not fewer. When you bring up something that's pretty interesting there because back in your day, <laughs> you used to walk uphill both ways in San Francisco. That's true. almost true, true. Almost snow, true right? Yeah. It's almost true. In, but, yeah, in snow, in the Bay Area. Without, without the snow, but you got the fog. With that, you know, both uphills, both ways, almost true. Uh, but if back then you you could take lesser, you know, beefed up databases without all the intent and all the great contact information, and put in the work of uh, putting it into a spreadsheet, guessing emails to, to launch a campaign because more work up front, less competition, you could predict mm -hmm. the results. Today. Everyone has access to those systems. You said the arms race, the defense mechanisms are up. So the expectations of results have changed as well, right? It's almost like less work, more results. That's the promise. Yet we're still going, we're still going what? Like you're equivalent to um, London, UK, five miles an hour. I bring this yeah. up often. Um, the Bridge Group pr uh, presents their uh, SDR benchmark reports year over year over year. And I've been tracking that for quite some time. Uh, it's about the same every year. It's like 50 activities, five conversations, half of people are making quota and it's not enough, right? Like, yeah. Or you can automate, you know, it's 200 activities. It takes the same amount of time as 50. Um, it's like the, the output for hours hasn't changed in, you know, in years and years, right? It's most, I think they, when I saw the reports, like average SDRs for outbound, 
um, in generate like six or eight accepted opportunities a month, which is, you know, it's lower. It's, it's, you know, again, there's lots of ranges if you do small business enterprise. So like, I think five to 15 is probably still the same was 10, 15 years ago. Exactly. Nothing's changed yet. We have more data, more automation. And, and I think that it's interesting that that everyone else does too. Exactly. So, so, so how do we think about like, if I'm a, if I'm an SDR, I know you just mentioned the whole like complexity and there's so many things to figure out, but like any, any ideas around what would I want to do to become successful as an SDR today in this landscape? And just curious to hear yeah. your thoughts. You know, you, you got so much experience. You're thinking through some of this stuff today. Like, Hey, if I look back where yeah. am I at, what are your thoughts around that? Um, blooming star. Yeah. Maybe it's well, a CEO what, transitioning or someone just out of school, like yourself or someone out of school, just trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. Well, what I wouldn't tell you is, oh, you need to work your ass off and do the grind. I don't think, I don't think that's real. Some people do. I think if you're drawn to that type of thing, great. If you're not, you don't need to do it. Um, I'm not saying you need to put some hours in, but I think it's more important. Like to me, the old success ladder really was based on or seem to be based on book smarts, kind of like career smarts. And I think the new one, though, is more on emotional smarts. Mm. Dealing with complexity, overwhelm, tremendous opportunity, like spectrums. Like, and if you're working from home, you know, and you're not, you, know, you have to figure out, like, what do you have as a schedule and a work environment and, like, what works for you? Like, it can be totally confusing versus which if you go to an office, you're, like, kind of there. There's a routine schedule. There's people there there's a lot of benefits to that. Um, but it's like simpler. You just kind of show up and do what you need to do. And so navigating again, all these channels you could use, do you use text and when versus email, LinkedIn, do you do video? What do you say? Which markets? What time? Um, where you need to go to, I believe are things like, how do you deal with, um, you know, I say even like using more of your intuition, if you can be, all these channels can be successful. So it's more about where are you drawn towards? Like if you really feel like you have a good shot with video or you're a writer. Um, so one of these things is kind of like learning how to trust yourself and listen to these things. It may not make logical sense, but you feel like it's a good directional way to go. That's one area. Another one, I think just people trying to find ways to reach out and meet, whether it's at your company or other places, a handful of other people in a similar job, either who are in it now or who've been recently in it, who, I mean, I wouldn't even use the word mentor, more of like a, I don't have a good group. It's not mastermind. It's not mentor. Just like a few people you can stay in touch with either or one person or three small group, other people you can, who, who are going through it the same way you can kind of stay on top of things with the world is too busy and too complicated for any person to stay on top of it all. You're a new SDR. There's no way you can, you know, keep on top or learn of all the other SDR stuff going on. It's it's true. Whether you're a CEO, VP sales, it's no way. So staying, but connecting with a few, a manageable number of other people that you like, and it's kind of a good personality fit and be able to talk to them about what they're seeing, what they're doing, what you're seeing, what you're doing, and not to copy what each other are doing. Because I think, again, the world of kind of copy paste success is either over or dying because of all this complexity like, you know, years ago, even a few years ago, or especially five or 10, you could take like my old templates and copy them and use them and they'd work right away. It doesn't do that. It's not the same anymore. But sort of like having other people to talk to ideas and 
oh, you tried that, gives me an idea for something similar. Um, I think too, within and outside the company is good. So that kind of little like support group. So that's kind of relying more on your intuitions, the support group, and just realizing that, um, you know, it is just an ongoing, it's like your mess to success, right? It's an ongoing, uh, you're stumbling in your way to success. You see, you're surrounded by all these pretty pictures on LinkedIn or Instagram around people who have like lost the weight, made the money, got the appointments, got the promotion, raised them, you know. But how often do people share the reality, which is everyone is just like fumbling their, you know, stumbling their way to success. And it's like a um, ongoing, not train wreck. It's not, it's not like it's necessarily a bad thing, but the reality of getting into a career and, and succeeding at it isn't like some sort of connect the dots. Most people, it's usually they're just kind of dealing with problem after problem after problem. And there's always some new problem to deal with. And as soon as you get like the, you know, it's kind of like the end of the month, you get, you make your quota, well, you got another one to do. Or you get the promotion, oh, now you got to figure out this new thing. In fact, the more responsibility you get as you grow through the ranks, sometimes the harder it gets because there's more, well, I said responsibility too. So I think it's realizing, you know, it's okay. You're looking to make progress in your job and, and learn, and but it's not going to all be um, fixed, right? You're going to have some parts that just aren't working. Like you're not, you, you know, maybe maybe doing well at your job, but you're just like, feel like an emotional wreck. Or maybe you're doing really well at getting responses on email, but you can't convert those to appointments. So it's kind of an ever, it's like a link in the, I always think these links in the chain. You're constantly solving this link, but that leads you to the next one, next one. And the more that you can be okay with, you know what? Um, I, I made some progress. I got some problems. And that's kind of the place I'm going to be for the indefinite future of maybe my life. And, and if you feel yourself, um, you know, judging yourself because you're not doing this and kind of like starting to catch that and, and focus more on the progress you've made and the progress you want to make, not on all the problems. I think that there's a, a big conversation there because we we have this dream of climbing the ladder like you know it's one rung at a time or um, achieving this outcome and we obsess on if we can get there then things will be different and there's that um, yeah they will be they will be different. happens <laughs> the, the promotion the happens yeah. yeah they're they're better and they're worse too but they're different. Like what's the most stressful job in a company, Ryan, Ryan? Well, being the CEO. True. Okay. And it can be the best job and the most stressful at the same time. Okay. Being a parent, a lot of people, well, there's lots of parents who say Fuck, parenting is the worst and I never I wish I wasn't a parent, but there's lots of parents that actually like being a parent and it's like the hardest job and the best or the most stressful and the best at the same time. But it's not like, I don't, I have, you know, maybe there's moments again where it's like, this is an amazing job or being a parent and like, there's no worries. You have those, there are those moments and times, but it's not, it's not like you get to a place and you and happily ever after. Yeah. So, it, it's it's too, about, it's, go ahead. Yeah. It's more about, um, really focus on, are you learning as it fits kind of like who you are, what you want to do next? Are you meeting good people? Are you enjoying those people? Like the people you meet, and including yourself along the way is really what creates more of, I think, a lasting effect than kind of the title and things you do in a job.
you just said something that I think is it's not talked about. The people, people, people you meet, including yourself. Yeah. Right. Uh, who we are, who we be today, is maybe not who we are tomorrow, and it's a, it's this evolution. Hopefully not. <laughs> I mean, if you think about that, like, here's if I, I'll, I'll stop and think. Wow, you know, when I was, I just turned fifty. I think when I was a teenager or 30 or 40 or maybe last year, like, I really didn't know anything. I was like, wow, I was so ignorant. And that could be a bad thing. Or like, or like that could be, wow, I've learned so much since then. Like if, if I was the same person back as I was back then, I knew everything now, that'd be actually, that wouldn't be a good thing, would it? So it's kind of like this, catching those little emotional states of self-criticism versus, hmm, actually I've come a long way. And uh, you do want to be, you, you, I think, I mean, I want to evolve as a person as I go. I'm, but uh, you, I say you, when you meet yourself in your job or in relationships, like you, there's always, you're growing as a person. And when you meet challenges or you have successes or things don't work out, you, uh, or you're dealing with people, again, it might be romantic, might be a boss. You're kind of learning, a chance to learn about yourself and grow as a person as well. Like meeting your next self, which could be a new self tomorrow. Every day we're a new self. I mean, I, I think that might just sound good. It may not be really true. Maybe it's next year in yourself. I mean, it's a journey and it's a, it's a, it's not a destination. And I think that's a big thing. I mean, I'm, I'm in the journey just like you are, uh, you know, you're much further along, but the, the self realization, the, the realization that no matter what you're striving for today, if you, if you get there, you look back you're going to go, wow, I didn't, I can't believe I used to think that this was it, or this is, this is the peak. There's just so much more. And yet, wow, I was dumb. Even though at the time you think you're, you're just crushing it, or maybe you're not, I don't know. It doesn't matter. The reality is that is what it is. And that, that, that perspective for somebody just getting started is, is pretty big. Um, you know, Here's here's a here's a, a good ex- like tactical example, which is um, if you're able to, a lot of people go into the pre-sales job SDR because they want to you know, get through it and get to a sales position, as they should. That's fine, but if it's it's your opportunity to kind of get paid to learn, mm-hmm. you can go to business school, and business schools are great. I I went got into one. I I didn't go or dropped out to. But you pay for people to teach you something. In a job, any job actually, they're paying you. You have a chance to learn if you look at it that way. You can kind of do the minimum and try to skate by. But like in a, in a, prospect, in a prospecting job, if you apply yourself and you're actually not just trying to go through the motions again to get the results, but you're actually looking at, I'm, I'm, I have a chance to learn about the techniques to go make things happen. Mm-hmm. And if you actually do that and you're really making a, a conscious effort to learn the techniques and the principles and not just kind of get stuff stuff done by the time you get to a sales role you'd be like wow i have so much more empowered i have these skills to drive make things happen that i didn't have either if i hadn't done the sgr job or if i kind of like skated through not really paying attention but was just, just able to kind of get some i just kind of followed people's steps and didn't really think for myself i was able to it's like if you cook i'm just like repeating the recipe i'm not really paying attention somehow i get it to work did I really learn it? I didn't really learn the principles behind cooking to become like an actual cook and make up my own stuff. 
Like you really want to learn the techniques, but then be able to know the principles behind them so you can apply them yourself without needing someone to hold your hand, without needing the recipe book. So as you go up in your career, you have less, fewer and fewer recipes to follow, which, I mean, it feels like there's, there are lots of recipes out there, but they usually don't work for you. I hear time and again, it's like, well, that's, I was in this conference in uh, Sweden. One of the perks of being in Europe now is that we get to visit all kinds of places in Europe. Um, and there's an executive CEO of a company that said that we were going to the United States. I read all the books. I read from Impossible to Inevitable. I read all the Sastra posts. I read all the, and I went there and, you know, like nothing worked. Or I was still like, had no idea what I was doing. And then he went back and had to do it again. So you can read all you want. You can look at what people are doing. But ultimately, going back to this intuition thing, you need to be able to learn how can you apply your own, like learn some principles or things behind the recipes. How can you then apply your own intuition or creativity or style or suave or whatever you want to do to make your own recipes now? That's really where you start to be able to create a real path for yourself, not only towards like more career, more money, but also more fulfillment and more empowerment for yourself. Less imposter syndrome, although that will still come up no matter what, usually what level you get to. In the age of instant anything, right? Click a button, yeah. get an Uber. We were talking about a little bit before the show, right? Oh, yeah. something breaks. Uh, you know, go to YouTube, watch a oh, video. I need a little, uh, sorry, I'm feeling, I need a little dopamine hit and just hit my, uh, yeah. In that age, right? Like, uh, but the same thing for education. I don't need to know it. Um, I use this terminology often with math. Yeah, I got a math degree. And so, uh, people that, um, go through and they're like, why do I have to learn long division? I can just put it in a calculator. It's like, well, if you don't know how the numbers work, then you can't do like basic stuff later. That's why people can't use Excel sheets and stuff like that, or do basic business math because they're just so used to clicking a button and, um, you, you can, you can trans, you can transition that like through a lot of areas of life now, especially the generation that's come up, you know, earlier, not, not some, some of the elder millennials, but the earlier or later stage millennials or uh, Gen Zers, you ra you're raised up in this this age where if you don't know something, you, you Google search it, boom, it's there. And you're not really getting behind it. You're just searching an answer and running with it, checking yeah. boxes and being okay with it. That art Tell me how to of, to Just give me the email template to, to get the response. Yeah, just give me the give me the outcome that I'm seeking. It's like everybody wants to fish. No one wants to learn how to fish, right, yeah. anymore. And so what you're saying is, well, look, if you want to stand out and be successful, then you need to get back to that principle of get out there, learn these things, but really try to get under the, 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 like the why, um, how much of that is going to differentiate somebody today as an SDR, if the future is technology and automation and AI and all this stuff, is it that important or can I just use the technology? No, there's two features. Yeah, I mean, the future is technology, AI, automation, and the future is also more humanity and uncertainty and like the emotional roller coaster. Mm -hmm. Like you kind of have both. And, you know, the more technology we have, the more we need, I think, um, emotional smarts to balance that out. Mm -hmm. Right? Because even what I see with executives and people and, and even my, my, my kids is a lot more um, emotional. And this is only my what I see, right? And that's such a small part of what the world is. Mm -hmm. But, you know, more technology, more options, more opportunity, more overwhelm, 
more fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Just like more of everything. And like to navigate that means how do you develop more self-awareness, self-confidence, um, uh, to, to how to get around like choice paralysis where you have so many choices. What do you pick? Yeah. Um, you know, you can, if you can kind of do anything with your life, but then what do you do? Fuck. Right. <laughs> and I, I had that with my, well, some teens, one teen is like, she knows she's going to do music. Like she had that very early. Right. And it's its own version of a gift. And another has no clue. Um, and it's like, okay, it can be exciting. It could also be really scary. So I think it's like the emotional smarts to deal with all these, the uncertainty, like there's this, you know, predictable revenue in the future, you know, it's really kind of an illusion and COVID helped remind us of that. Like anything can happen anytime that just wipes out whatever your plans are for the future. Right. You know, we, a lot of us were safe, we're safety seeking creatures, right? We want to, you know, if we just have enough, uh, I'll feel safe when I have enough money in the bank or you know, I meet the right person. And then I'll kind of be done. Right? Then I, have, I can relax. That's, that's an illusion as well. So I think it's learning how to deal with, you know, again, more technology, which means more uncertainty, more drama, more chaos, more opportunity. And dealing with that and being okay with that, like leaning into that is, that's just generally where we're going as a, as a species. And that means in sales, right? We have your customers and there's every year this can be over time you're adding more channels, not fewer, right? There used to be knocking on doors and knocking doors, direct mail, those two, then you add calls and you add email, then LinkedIn now you, and then WhatsApp and social where you start. And AI is not going to fix that. It'll help, but you know, AI is good at, um, as much as I know, I'm not an expert in AI, but it's like, okay, my, my belief is you can draw great conclusions from past patterns as long as that works. But as soon as something changes, it's not going to work. Like, and they're not going to be able to, they can mimic intuition and creativity, but not replace it. Right? Right. So for humans, sometimes like I've been there, I've had these intuitive leaps. They're like, I have no idea where this came from. It just came out of thin air. Great. Right? Um, and so for people like learning how to trust themselves, tap into that, like those weird, like those whispers and things that you're interested in. So I think for how to differentiate yourself as an SDR, like who are you as a person? Um, you can still use a lot of the same techniques on email, LinkedIn, whether you do video or not, or audio or not. Um, but it's like your personality and style, helping that come through, whether that could be visual based on your picture, maybe you do art, or maybe it's auditory, um, maybe you're using your voice, maybe you're doing songs, maybe you're, who knows what, maybe it's writing style. Like my writing style, I just use all lowercase for, I don't even know why just do. Um, I don't even know when, I don't remember when that started. I just, I think I saw someone doing it, like, I like that. I'm just going to do it. And it became kind of a signature thing because there's no reason for it. I just, it's like being yourself in the job, learning the skills that people are teaching you that you can, but then where can you be yourself and express yourself? Because that will help stand out from all the other noise out there is when you can have a, a human reaching out to another human. And you'll see when you get an email, I mean, I get it. I get lots of form emails, but if I get an email and it feels like it came from a person, at least I'm more likely to look at it and respond. I may not do it, but I'm more likely versus the ones that I know are kind of newsletters in mass uh, generated. It's like that feeling of reciprocity. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, 
this is powerful stuff today. And if we could, I think we could probably talk about a lot of this in more detail for a long time because it's such a it's such a big thing right now, right? Uh, I think we're we're getting to that point in our uh, evolution as a society, uh, as a profession. Uh, these types of things are coming up and are becoming important, uh, but we don't have all day long. And I want to land the plane on today's conversation, Aaron. On um, there's a couple more questions, and, and I'll let you get back to uh, doing your thing out there. Um, so we uh, we always try to ask a few last questions that be fairly similar here. One's going to be a uh, just around, you know, if, if you took everything you know now and you were looking back earlier in your career, um, what what do you wish you knew now that, or then what you what you know now um, that might have helped? Uh, clearly, you're a you know innovator and you you really drove innovation, so that might be a loaded question on your side. But um, anything particular that 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 you wish you wish you would have known then that you know now. Um... I wish I would have known that ayahuasca existed. Um, done it a few times over the last 10 years. Uh, what else do I wish? Just maybe uh, more self-awareness. Like I look at my teens growing up and it's a lot of like anxiety. It's just a world to be overwhelming, but they're so much more self-aware than I was. And so if there were ways to become, you know, it was just a different time back then. I grew up in like, born in the early seventies. Um, if I had some kind of, uh, more insights and ways to kind of be more self-aware younger, um, you know, like I had more fear of relationships back then. Um, so, you know, it really would have been ways to become more self-aware earlier, kind of like who I was, what worked for me, what didn't work for me, how to spot the difference between something I wasn't interested in doing, but was I actually scared of it? You know, sometimes yeah. I've seen like, I'll have these fears, but they don't feel like fears. It just feels like a lack of interest. So it feels like, oh, I'm just not interested in drinking this water, but actually there's like a hidden fear. So I think, you know, you can go too far in self-awareness and overanalyze that. But I think it's just, that would have been for me at least where I would started. For today, the young people, I think it's really, um, you know, even my teens and early 20s, you know, it makes such a difference to make the effort to, um, you know, ask, it's like find people that you have a good vibe with. Like we have 10 children, right? We have a community of people. That's a whole nother story. And there's something that I feel, I feel like it, we didn't have 10 children because it'll be good for the future. But I do think like it'll happen to be good for our kids in the future because they're going to have a, a really tight knit group of family they can rely on through all the ups and downs in life and there are a lot so like if you're, if you're someone who has doesn't have many friends and there's a lot of us like just putting out the realization that like the, the people that you can go out and connect with whether it's for kind of personal support or, or career support whether they call mentors or like working groups like just really getting out and finding other people that you can vibe with and kind of get to know each other and whether you have friends with or help each other like that is something that can be an amazing investment for today and the future because you know, even at like a career level the people you meet today in 10 years they they'll be like some of them will be like vps or investors or you know whatever your version is or some might live in europe some might live here some might have gone through a divorce and can you know help you if it's that or some might have there's all kinds of stuff so it's just like relying on um 
getting out of your comfort zone to go meet other people and, and invest in friendships and getting to know them and keeping that connection with other people alive, especially as we get to be more kind of disconnected with our screens. That's uh, very powerful stuff. Uh, I am getting towards the end here. I'm here in my work from home, uh, knocking at the door on the side. So we're going to have to cut this one out, Aaron. Thank you so much for uh, blessing us with your presence today. It was a real honor to have a chance to talk with you about some of these things, uh, get your perspective on where you came from, um, where we're at today, and some things that we can do to uh, differentiate ourselves as uh, SDRs in today's landscape. I appreciate your time today, Aaron. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. My, uh, my privilege here.